Hello and welcome to episode 5 of RangerPod. Who'd have believed it? The podcast that deconstructs the morphing grid one episode at a time. I'm PDT and I'm definitely not an expert in Power Rangers. And joining me is my friend Grax. Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm glad to be here, really. Really, I am. Hi, Grax. Uh, why? Why did you make me watch this episode? <laughs> because it's episode 5 of Power Rangers, A Different uh. Drum which first aired on September 10th, 1993. Okay, I'm just going to put a bit of a spoiler out there. I didn't like this episode. I didn't <laughs> like it at all. Well, if you, if you don't want to hear Grax like, crying, turn off now. And I will say what I always say, you don't have to watch the Power Rangers episode to enjoy this podcast, but we strongly recommend that you do, even though you've already heard Grax hated it. It's available on Netflix, it's available on DVD in America from Shout Factory. Go and check it out, because hopefully you'll find what follows a lot more entertaining. So, Grax. <sighs> yes, yes, PDT. Mr. Synopsis, take it away. <sighs> Alright, fine. All right, we begin the episode with Kimberly teaching a really, really dull aerobics class. Like, teaching all various people to do some toiling around. And then Billy... He wants to join in, and he's terrible at dancing. He's so bad that he tr- falls onto a trolley and causes a trolley accident, disrupting the entire class for far, far too long. And then he, for some reason, <laughs> he passes. And then for some reason, he passes a dinosaur or a dragon or whatever that sound effect was. It's just typical teenage hijinks. What with a dinosaur? I don't <laughs> believe that for a second. You don't believe that the Power Rangers who have robot dinosaurs might come across a dinosaur well when you put it that way but it, it just seems so out of place so anyway Kimberly continues her class and she notices that two of the girls are having a bit of a commotion one girl shouting at another girl telling her she's rubbish or whatever and the girl runs off and so Kimberly pauses the class she then approaches this girl who ran away and it turns out that this girl is deaf actually deaf she has a name you know Really? Yeah, she's student of the week. Oh, I see. Also known as Melissa. I was so angry at this episode, I didn't notice the name (laughs) until the very, very end. So, deaf girl, whose name is Melissa, we've just established. Let's just keep calling her a deaf girl. I don't see any problem or potential offence with that. (laughs) That's a very good point. (laughs) Luckily, Kimberly can actually speak sign language, so she's able to communicate. Melissa confesses that she's... Deaf girl. There we go. Deaf girl confesses. <laughs> she confesses so she's no good at dancing, but Kimberly comforts her by saying, "Actually, you're a very good dancer. And by the way, not all everyone can dance. Just take a look at Billy over there. He's making a fool of himself because he sucks. Billy sucks. Hey, Billy saying. gets enough bullying from the girls in this episode, yeah, and like everybody else. Let's leave off him for this one. I'll, I'll try, but he makes it so easy. Anyway, the two girls, they make up and they say, I'm sorry, uh, and there's all good fun. Then Bulk and Skull come up and they're trying to ruin everybody's dancing fun. But it's actually Bulk who is ruined because he goes up against the dance, quote, master, Zack, who shows off his breakdancing skills and Bulk tries to keep up and for some reason he jumps over the counter into a big pile of food. I think he splits his trousers for two ep- the second episode in a row, doesn't he? Not quite. He does the splits, but not oh, quite. okay. I thought I heard a sound effect. That's his uh, groin muscles <laughs> oh, splitting. <laughs> so what you're saying is that he's in intensive care for the rest of the story. 
No, because this is a cartoon and he's able to cement himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a cartoon! Meanwhile, Rita comes up with a plan to take out the Rangers once and for all with something music-related. Despite her minions questioning her logic, she demands this music monster and Finster comes up with a monster called Nani Nani Nano, whatever, I don't know. Uh, Gnarly Gnome. Gnarly Gnome, that, that sounds about right. This trollish looking creature whose stick is the Pied Piper, but he's using an accordion. Gnarly Gnome, he goes down to Earth and he seduces a bunch of young teenage girls. Yes, young teenage girls. With his, <laughs> with his accordion music. Does he really seduce them? I think he does. I mean, lures them. That's a good word. He lures them with his accordion music. All the way to some random cave, dark cave in, in the mountains. This includes the deaf girl who's completely immune to his seductive powers because she can't hear the music, understandably. So she finds out where they are, and then she goes and gets some help. What does she do? Does she call the police? No! She doesn't call the police! She does the most... Oh, God. I never thought of that. She doesn't call the police. So what does she do? She goes to the bar, finds muscle-bound Jason, and says, help, I need some help. My friends are all captured. But of course, she can't actually say this because she uses sign language nobody understands. So she gets a notepad to write it all out. And Jason then goes, I'll tell you what, we'll help you. Come on, let's go find him. Oh. Meanwhile, back at the cave, the gnome throws a big fat party and gets all the young girls to dance around <laughs> to the accordion music whilst he stuffs his fat face with the feast that Babu and Squat makes for him. And then the gnome falls asleep for whatever reason. Rita gets angry about this because he's being a lazy son of a... Uh, taking complete advice <laughs> of the whole situation, completely forgetting the fact that he's supposed to be there to destroy the rangers. Are you okay, Grax? He gets all stuffed there, but then he falls asleep, but then he wakes back up, then he turns invisible, and then and then Babu and Squat just disappears, just leave the gnome guy to take on the rangers. Outside, the five heroes and the deaf girl, they approach the cave, and then Kimberly says, Okay, Melissa, it's time for you to get out of here, because you know what time it is. It's you know what time, time. It is. It's morphing time. They instantly morph 12 minutes into the episode, and they don't waste any time with this stupid god damn no who's carrying a rake he's now carrying a rake why is he carrying a rake i don't know i don't care they don't care they just slap this stupid monster all upside the head with their power weapons then they form a mega gun then they shoot the monster and he blows up and then gnome grows and then they call the dinosaurs they all form into the tank and they shoot him and then they ah, oh it's just a doll oh and then they form into the Megazord, and then the gnomes like plays his accordion a little bit, which turns him into a building for some reason. Best the, disguise the, ever. The dumb thing is, that's actually the best thing about this episode. Yep. <laughs> and then the Megazord's going, alright, I don't have time for this, let's just get the sword and cut him up, and make him blow up, and that's it. They don't even give a damn about him. I mean, if anything, I think that version of it was actually longer than what we saw on screen. I counted it was four mm. minutes of action footage, Two of which were the Megazord forming. Oh my god, really? That's it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, they just didn't care. So anyway, the girls come out. So they all go back to the juice bar. There's juice on the house, thanks to Ernie. And then Jason tries to communicate uh, in sign language and gets it wrong, understandably. And they all laugh at Jason. for the <laughs> Jason, you idiot. How dare you try and learn? I know, that was so mean. <laughs> and then Melissa asks Billy to dance in the aerobics class for some reason. And then it turns out actually Billy's actually got some quote unquote sweet moves. And the episode ends. The end. 
Oh, just, <laughs> it's just just a rub. It's just dumb. And pointless. <laughs> so, Grax, what did you think of the episode? I hated this episode. It's a complete and utter waste <laughs> of my time. And I watched this episode several times to make sure I got the right facts right. But it's just a waste. The plotline was uninspiring. The monster was uninspiring. I didn't care. He didn't care. He was sleepwalking through the entire episode. And the thing is, Melissa didn't call the police. Why didn't she do the normal thing of calling the police? Why did she think her friends would be able to help out with this monster? Because it's got to be an open secret at this point that Jason and friends are the Power Rangers. Yeah, secret identity, my ass. Like, last week we talked about the fact that they just morphed in the middle of the juice bar, teleported there. This week, I mean, Melissa's deaf, she's not blind. Yes, she saw them change. They just say, I'll hide behind this very short bush, then immediately they morph. She didn't even have time to squat behind the bush to hide. (laughs) Bam, morphing time. Holy cats, she says in sign language. But it's okay, because Melissa is never seen again. I don't hate this episode as much as you do. I do think it's easily the weakest one so far. It's hard to be too critical of it in a way, because it does carry like a worthy message. Because I don't know if you spotted, but there was a bit of a message to the episode. The message was, hey, deaf people are okay. Yes, I, I do understand <laughs> that that's what they were trying to get at. I mean, Not everyone will have got it. It was very subtle. It was way too subtle. I mean, this wasn't like an episode of He-Man where at the very end they tell you their moral lesson, which is, hey, kids, don't be mean to deaf people. No, they didn't do that. Oh, hang on. That was exactly what they did. Oh, wait, well, yes, they did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. yeah. They have it's that... Like- cloying speech from Kimberly who's like hey you know I thought Melissa was pretty cool before but now she saved us and all her friends she didn't didn't save the rangers (laughs) she was responsible for saving her friends I would say to the detriment of the rangers we've moved into dissecting this one already because there's so much to dissect get out the knives and just cut this baby (laughs) open and find out what was going on inside because what I will say is the fact that they want Melissa to do this thing does mean that the rangers don't really turn up until a really late stage of the story I mean, what I will say is that this episode, it has some great stuff for David Joss, who plays Billy. I suppose so. He does get some action in this. He takes one for the team in terms of comedy. You know, he's got the whole thing where he interrupts the dance class at the start. Yeah. And he kind of gets rewarded with the inexplicable smooth dance moves at the end. How did he manage to pick this up? Or was this all a ruse all along? He plays the dorky, clumsy, left-footed loser so that when the time is right, he then goes, BAM! Here are my secret moves, which gets everybody excited. Is that his plan all along? Because I ain't buying it, Billy. You know what? It's not his plan, but it's kind of David Yost's plan. (laughs) As I remember it, David Yost is actually quite an accomplished dancer. Ah. Uh, well, he he's certainly a very accomplished gymnast. You know, he's not a nerd in real life. And so he probably relished the chance to be able to actually, you know, not act like he's got some kind of condition. Actually, that's an interesting point. I mean, obviously, these are actors who are in their late 20s, maybe early 30s. But all the other teenage girls, do you think they actually were teenage extras? Possibly. Mm. There might have been a mix of them. I mean, what I will say is that the moral of this story did not need to be taught to any of the characters in the story. Even the classmate that she has... I mean, you said they were shouting. They weren't. No. She was just like, hey, watch it. 
And then, like, two minutes later, she's there going, look, I'm sorry, do you want to go shopping? Usually with these things, there'll be someone in the story who's there going, hey, deaf people suck. Ugh, I'm not hanging out with you because you're deaf. There was nobody like that here. I tell you who would have been the perfect candidate to be like that. Bulk and Skull. That would have been perfect for them. They are the bullies. But, you know, they can never actually do too much bullying. To be fair, I will say I did like Bulk's tactics of um, doing a bit of a dance and then kicking Jason's chair. I thought that was very inspired. You thought that was smooth work, did you? It was. I really enjoyed it. It was like, damn, he's actually being a bully. That's really good. I don't like the way that you always seem to be quite proud and pleased every time they actually do some bullying. Because they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. That They are bullying people around them. Although I do feel sorry for Skull because I don't know if you saw it in his face. But I think this is the first time that Skull realises he might be on the losing side. <laughs> I, I think Paul Schreier and Jason Narvi, who play Bulk and the Skull, I think they're geniuses. A lot of the time with this, they pretty much got left to their own devices. Especially as the series goes on. They did a lot of improvising with the directors because, you know, they could do it. Yeah. Because it didn't really matter. I suppose you're right when you put it that way. So why not give them creative freedom? That's it. I mean, as long as Bolt gets some food on him at some point, um, you know, they can do whatever slapstick they want, really. That's one of my favourite things about watching the series, actually. As a kid, I really just had no time for Bulk and Skull. But as an adult, I'm like, yeah, I can appreciate this. So, I think it's come to that midpoint in the episode. Let's have a look at the episode of the Japanese Super Sentai Zuranger, which inspired this one. You'll be glad to know that this is actually a one-part Zuranger episode. Good. Unlike most of the others, which seem to have been two-parters so far. And once again, it begins with a schoolboy, because, you know... Zuranger. Yeah, it's basically this fat kid. And I can say that because I'm massive. Um, mm-hmm. There's this little fat boy who's summoning the courage to give a girl a present. But she's like, no, nah, I don't want it. Thanks. And then she can see and hear like the gnarly gnome playing the accordion. But her mum can't. The gnome comes down and starts playing the accordion. And so she spins around and runs away to get on the goblin bus. I'm sorry, what? The goblin bus. You're making that up. There can't be a thing called a goblin bus. I'm not. This is genuine. Uh, the goblin bus is piloted by Squat and Baboo. Oh, and, okay. and Squat and Baboo take her soul and turn it into a coloured ball. I don't know if that's meaning anything to you. I haven't seen the episode yet, but... Uh, actually, I'm just trying to remember if there was a coloured ball thing. Hold it in there, because we'll get to it in a few minutes. Okay. So they managed to recover the children from the bus... But they're all kind of acting weird. And they realise it's a goblin from European mythology and that only kids can see it. So when the goblin attacks, the Rangers can't fight it because they can't see it. They follow the little chubby kid as he gets taken away and the goblin attacks them. They manage to stop Squat and Baboo from getting the kid on the bus. But Dan the Blue Ranger ends up with him in the kind of land of the lost. And then the other Zurangers join them, because they all do a really bad job of fighting the goblin. How could they do a really bad job of fighting the goblin? He looks terrible. Yeah, but he's invisible to them at this point. Okay, so that explains why he does that invisible trick in the American show, because that's yeah. one of his powers. Well, that's the thing. So he's in the cave, obviously not with any school children, because they were very clearly in a very different part of caves. Like, in the American version, it's very clear that Squat, Baboo and the Troll are nowhere near those girls. Yes, that's true. Although, I will say this is a side... In the American footage, uh, the gnome is actually walking across with all the American girls. So, did they hire that suit 
specifically for this episode. They might well have done. They did get some monster costumes sent to them. Okay, I admire that. I admire the fact that um, they're actually trying to mix the American and the Japanese show by using the monsters. They would generally get the costumes that were still in a state to be used. Often, after they'd finished filming an episode, the suits would be kind of falling apart. They're not made to be kept and durable. Yeah, I mean, during when they're fighting the Megazords and everything, I guess they do get roughed up quite a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, back to the episode. May the Pink Ranger, she's like, hey, if we swap his boots, then we'll be able to see him. I don't know how that works. She read it in a fairy tale. That happens a lot in Ranger. It's all about the fairy tales. And the kid goes off on his own because the Rangers have got priorities, so they won't help him get his caterpillar back. Wait, what? The caterpillar was what he was trying to give the little girl. Oh, okay, yeah. Because his dad gave him the caterpillar. And weirdly, the little girl looks like his mum, apparently. That's (laughs) creepy, that's weird. Only in Japan. But anyway, yeah, Dan decides to bring back the caterpillar. And yeah, Squat and Babu, or Totopat and Bookback, they start cooking up the children's souls so the goblin can eat them. Oh my god. And that's what you see in the episode. When Squat and Babu have got the coloured balls in the saucepan, and Babu's like, ah, this is my secret ingredient. Oh! Yeah, he's actually adding children's souls. That's quite vicious. That's... Wow. And worse, you'll remember that the next thing you see is then Babu having a little snack of a caterpillar. See, I remember... I think it was Squat, actually, that pulls out the caterpillar out of a very nice box but i didn't yes, think much of it. it because i thought it was just like it's just a monster eating creepy crawlies okay that's not important to the plot at all no it's a creepy crawly that a little kid wanted to give his girlfriend wow <laughs> so anyway yeah they send the child in to swap the shoes around while the trolls asleep everything's falling into place now it's still a rubbish episode though <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Bandora manages to wake the troll up before the kid manages it. But then the Red Ranger tricks him into changing his shoes anyway. Okay. And so he becomes visible. And then the rest pretty much happens as you'd expect. you know, <laughs> With them going, oh, we've had enough of your rubbish. You're a dumb monster. We're going to kill you quickly. <laughs> pretty much it's exactly what you see in the episode. Oh. But obviously when they destroy... Dora Goblin that frees all of the souls of the children and the Squat's counterpart has a reaction to the Emperor Butterfly well the Caterpillar's now become a butterfly inside Squat (laughs) and the butterfly comes out and so Dan catches it and the little kid gives it to the girl okay that's a better choice of present for a little girl and she seems vaguely perturbed (laughs) (laughs) the end so this is just a one part episode just a one-part episode, you see, yeah. even the Japanese version didn't give a damn about this. I guess Pandora's plan in this is slightly better than Rita's plan. Because, I mean, let's talk about Rita's plan, shall we? It comes from the most tenuous of places to begin with. She's watching the dance thing. You know, she's basically just chilling out watching the Rangers. Because that's not creepy. Not at all. And then she's just like, oh, I hate that music. Oh, I know, music. Let's use that to get the Rangers. Obviously, that's a dumb plot. It's just like a half-baked plot. But the fact that the minions are questioning this... Yeah, well, they're saying, you know, music monsters are unreliable. Why would you do this? And she tells them to <laughs> off, basically. Yeah! She's just, <laughs> ah. But the thing is that the monster can't do what she wants it to. He doesn't even try. Yeah, that's exactly my point. That's one of the reasons why I was so angry about this. It's like, oh, yeah, this, this monster's going to be able to take over the rangers and all that. How? How? By playing music to them? 
that clearly didn't work. He doesn't even care. He's just sleepwalking for the entire episode. He's just there to collect a paycheck. He doesn't even try and play music at them until they're in the Megazord. Well, he doesn't get much of a chance, to be fair. Well, that's true. All he's got is this rake where he's just, like, doing a bit of uh, zen gardening. Hang on, so what you're saying is that the Power Rangers actually used clever tactics to take him down before he could hypnotise them. Yes! Yes! That's exactly what I'm saying. They didn't waste any time with this. So, actually, this was a calculated tactical move on the part of the Rangers. They did a really good job. Well done, guys. Yeah, credit where credit is due. Good on you, mate. Yeah, five stars. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I remember in episode three of the Ranger Pod where I was saying, you know what? I kind of wish there was more time for the villains. I wish they had more time to develop their character. <laughs> I regret that now. I mean, yeah, it's a crap plan. And obviously when he does play the music at them, as we said, it just makes him turn into a moving building. Oh, hang on, which, which which one's the gob? Oh, yeah, it's the one that's moving. To be fair, it's a cool effect. They probably should have expanded that somehow. But then again, why is there a building in the middle of the countryside, <laughs> the Rocky Mountains, where there are no other buildings? That does Okay, so can you explain that with the Japanese version? Where does that happen in the Japanese version? Oh, the building moving? Yes. No, that's pretty much exactly the same. What? It's just that in that one, there's no claims made that his music can take over the Rangers. <sighs> You know, he's just a mischievous goblin who's sort of created by Rita. So one interesting thing about this episode, as you may or may not have noticed, all of the power weapons have different names. I guess because this is one of the early episodes, they're still kind of figuring things out. So instead of power bow, power axe, power sword, power daggers, power lance, yeah. they're called the cosmic cannon, the battle bow, the dino daggers, and mighty mace. You're absolutely right. I didn't notice that. Why did they change the names? I don't know. As I say, they must have just been figuring things out, I think. And obviously, for the second episode in a row, the Megazord sword is called the Mega Sword, which I think that gets phased out fairly quickly. And a weird thing that you might have noticed in the episode, and I don't know exactly why this is, because it's not the case in the original Zoo Ranger, the Pink Ranger is grey in places. My God, you're right. I didn't notice that. I, I thought when I was looking at the footage going, wait, is that the Pink Ranger grey? Oh, that's fine. That's just some pirated, dodgy website I'm viewing it from that with some corrupted uh, videotape thing. But it's actually not pink. It's pink in the original footage, but for some reason in the American one, it was grey. Because the VHS tape was slightly corrupt. Quite possibly. <laughs> and they couldn't speak Japanese, so they couldn't ask for a, 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 another copy of it, which was probably lost in the sands of time. So, uh... Yep. <laughs> there, I, I've, I've schooled you there, PDT. I have schooled you. <laughs> one thing that st stood out to me in this episode... Well, I mean, there were several things, but one of the things that stood out to me in this episode was the Lassie moment with Jason and Melissa. What do you mean, the Lassie moment? When Melissa comes up to Jason and Ernie in the juice bar she starts signing at them oh yes and jason says something like hey it seems like she wants something <laughs> i felt like he was just one line off going what is it girl and they're trying to say that people with hearing problems are people too that's yeah. why that's not how you promote positive attitude towards deaf people jason well i don't know i mean look as you say that's what happens when you go to jason and ernie instead <laughs> of going to the police yeah oh god why that's not i'll tell you what if we ever get into a situation you and i if we get into a situation where our friends have been captured by some monstrous goblin you know what we should do we don't call the police we'll call the oh, 
We'll call Austin St. John. Yes, that's exactly who we thought. <laughs> and not the actor who played Ernie because he died. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Why are you got to bring it down, man? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, I should say I really do like Ernie, but he's such a crap character. He's a, he's a nothing. Bulk and Skull have more charisma than Ernie. Yeah. Last week we talked about Kimberly and her line when she gets in the mega, in the Zord cockpit. Yeah. I really like her one this week because it's, it's not so much funny as just kind of sweet. I kind of got so angry at that point I stopped listening. What did she say? In this one she goes, I just love this part. Oh, for f- Jesus. That's so I amazing. really like that. I thought uh, that was just like enthusiasm for... <laughs> Enthusiasm? Oh, I don't know. It just they, they the kind it. of enthusiasm that you've been unable to muster for this episode. No, you needed something more more witty than that. That some some kind of pun. I don't know. Like um, uh, uh Oh, come on, Grax. Think about this. Let the fat lady sing or something. I don't know. But just, they could have just done something cool there, and they didn't. <laughs> the other line that stood out to me in this episode was near the end when obviously they were all saying how great deaf people are Zach has the line it's a whole new world of rapping about sign language <sighs> is it is sign language a whole new world I suppose it is I mean you know it's it's a different language that he can rap in yeah I mean it's cool I mean it's great that we can all speak different languages but it's such a bad line don't overdo it Zach <laughs> just shut up it's such a horrible line just, I guess if we're both out of points, it's time to rate the episode. I'm just going to cut you off right there and just say I hate this episode. There's nothing about it I liked. I'll say it before. <laughs> I'll say it again. It's a waste of my time. And the fact that I had to watch this several times to make sure I got my points just makes me... Re- I'm genuinely angry at this. And the fact you told me the storyline of Japan makes even more sense. It's better than... It's, it's, no, it's just one out of five coins. One coin for this episode. <sighs> this episode just fuck it man beat the sense <laughs> sense the fuck out of this but it's, it's just so rubbish well look i'm gonna stand up for it a bit no you're not i don't all right fine tell me why this deserves more than one coin well look as i say it is giving a positive message even though nobody in the story needed the message it has got a couple of funny bits with david jost you know i feel like they're starting to get into the habit of whenever they're in doubt whenever they need to fill a a humour spot just fling David Yost around the room because this is not the first time this has happened no oh jeez you're absolutely right you know he got attacked attached to Jason's groin in that one and sort of swung around I think yeah he's becoming a bit of a secret weapon to them at this point <sighs> but, that, but so, that's what Bulk and Skull are for so you're supposed to use them as comic relief why get Billy involved because you've got to have some good comic relief as well as bad or ambivalent comic relief I suppose so yeah and so just those things alone I don't think I can give it a one star it's not completely irredeemable it's quite dull and the action is over far far too quickly even for me but I'm going to give it two power coins <sighs> okay so I mean you're wrong but that's if that's what you think sure <laughs> well I don't know listeners am I wrong am I wrong to give it two power coins out of five which team are you on team PDT team Grax let us know. Uh, you can tweet us at RangerPod or email us therangerpod at gmail.com. Oh, and if you'd like to leave us iTunes reviews and things and tell your friends, please do. Every little helps. Absolutely. We would love any and all feedback. 
So yeah, join us again next week when we'll be looking at Food Fight. Trying to stomach the horror that is Pudgy Pig. Oh wait, Pudgy Pig? Yep. Oh, this is one of the ones I actually remember from my childhood. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people will remember this one. Yeah, and frankly, anything was going to be better than this episode, surely. Well, we'll wait and see. Grax, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, I wish I could say the same. <laughs> but no, no, thanks for having me on. I've been PDT, and we'll see you next time. Bye.